Welcome to the On the Road Live RV Show this morning. I'm John Marucci, creator of the On the Road YouTube channel that provides RV-specific videos to help enhance your travel experience. You know, the purpose of the On the Road Live Show is to provide a place to interact in community, get questions answered, and stay current on RV news, trends, and resources. Of course, anyone, no matter the experience level, is welcome to participate and ask questions or interact. It's good to have you on the show today and nice to connect with each of you live. Feel free to put in the chat what location you're logging in from. Also, to ask a question, just put the word QUESTION in all caps in front of your comment so we can see it. On today's show, we'll start by looking at a couple of comments around RV warranty claims and issues, then look at recent RV news. In Newbie Corner, we'll look at main things to be aware of concerning your RV warranty and dealing with dealers and manufacturers. In our Spotlight segment, we'll look at a nice way to organize all your trailer's manuals. You want to stick around for the live Q&A round as we take your RV travel questions. So good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining. I appreciate everyone uh, joining this morning. And we're going to keep moving on here on the, on the show. we got a lot to cover here, so thanks for joining. Let's get on our first segment, which is the question. You know, the question segment of the show is about answering questions or looking at comments about a specific relevant topic. These are usually gleaned from viewers' follow-up questions or comments from various videos we have. As we go along, if your discussion, if the discussion spurns a question, just ask away in the chat. So here we go. You know, Mike F. has a really interesting comment here about warranties. Being a first-time trailer owner of a 2018 RPOD 179, I've been reading forums like yours, and it sounds like I'd be very lucky to not have any first-year issues. Trailers are interesting in that they have issues both like vehicles and a home. I debated on getting an extended warranty, which is not only the cost of the warranty, but having to bring it to the dealer for overpriced regular maintenance to not void the warranty, because as you mentioned, warranties may not be accepted if I do the work myself. Luckily, I'm a pretty handy guy and have saved thousands on repairs of my home and vehicles over the years. I have to agree to get as many problems fixed within the first year factory warranty as possible, as it's costly and not so easy after that. My first year, I had water hose burst at two different locations, a flaky furnace problem, and a TV that had to be replaced. At first, the dealer said they couldn't get me in for a month to fix the problems, but I went to the manager and complained. That's why I went to a local dealer, which cost me more to buy it there, as the sales guy said I would get priority, and then he got me in within a week. So Mike has several insightful things in his comment. First, You can purchase extended warranties that go beyond the normal first-year coverage. Yet, as Mike pointed out, it may cost in other ways, like time-intensive trips to your dealer for regular maintenance to not void the warranty. Second, Mike mentioned being fairly handy in that it saved him real money over time. That's an important point to remember if you own an RV. Next, Mike mentioned that he had real issues with his trailer that needed fixing. He told how he purposefully purchased locally at a higher cost so he could be prioritized. Yet even so, he had to be a bit of a squeaky wheel to get quicker service. So extended warranties may include large upfront costs as well as ongoing costs of trips to the dealer for regular maintenance to keep them valid. The entire concept of buying locally, as Mike mentioned, is one we'll cover more in detail in the Newbie Corner section of the show in a few minutes. But it's an important consideration when it comes to warranty work. We have another comment from another viewer. And this is a quote, we all need to remember warranties are written by lawyers to protect a manufacturer within the different clauses hidden in them. It's good that you pointed out 
the example of the refrigerator having a maintenance requirement in order for the warranty to remain effective. Uh, most people just shove all those books in a file and don't read past them. It's important to read everything. An RV is a major purchase. I bought mine used, so it had no manufacturer's warranty, and the dealer didn't give any either. So anyone buying used should check out everything before taking delivery. If they don't know what they're looking for, take someone with them who does, and that's a quote. So it's very important to understand that if you buy a used trailer, even one under the first year factory warranty, that the warranty is not necessarily transferable unless otherwise noted. And we have a used buying inspection guide video on the channel if you're interested in that. Most factory warranties are not transferable, but some extended warranties are transferable and you do need to read those carefully as they may require action on your part. So let's take a minute and look at if there are any chat questions. Okay, so let's go on. We're gonna head over to RV News now. We don't have any questions. Uh, the RV News segment of the show is about getting up to speed on the latest RV news that may impact you. We look at various sources and try to boil down the news to a few main items to review. So first up, and we've been looking at this at the last few uh, live shows, you know, traditional forms of travel continue to be hit hard. TSA checkpoint numbers are showing air travel is still recovering very slowly. The past four weeks, 19 versus 20, we saw 71.5 million versus 19.2 million travelers. So that's about a 27% uh, percentage of last year's volume. The latest week has seen three single days of greater than 30% volume versus last year. And we haven't seen that since March 18th, so it's slowly inching back up. Meanwhile, new and used inventory in RV Trader continues to decline. Uh, there's been a 23% decline of new and used RVs for sale since May 20th, as you can see from the chart here from 156,000 down to 120,000. While there are plenty of RVs still available, the drop shows and continued strong increase in demand. You know, one thing to cover here that's important, we talked about the last live show, is that the US, Canada, and Mexico borders, they've extended travel restrictions to non-essential travel. They were gonna extend it to August 21st, but now it's extended up to September 21st. So remember that if you're thinking about going up through Canada to Alaska or up to Canada or down to Mexico, there is a travel restriction on non-essential travel. Okay, so let's hop over to something we've been covering as well. The Great American Outdoor Act was actually signed into law. Last show we talked about how the House passed the GAOA and the Senate passed it in June. As a reminder, the act funds the backlog of park maintenance up to $9.5 billion over five years, funded by exploration on public lands. And the president signed the bill into law on August 4th, so it's a done deal, and that's good news for anyone traveling, especially by RV. On to small travel trailer RV news, and this is pretty big news. Jayco is entering or re-entering the small travel trailer market, launching several sub-4,000 pound trailers that will directly compete with RPOD. They're called the Jayfeather Micro, and they look to have similar amenities to the RPODs and will carry Jayco's two plus three year warranty. And according to Jayco, this is a quote, the Jayco two year limited warranty covers you for 24 months or 24,000 miles if you have a motorized product, which or, whichever comes first from the original purchase date. And starting with 2020 models, a third year of structural warranty coverage is also included standard. This includes any structural components such as laminated walls, roof and floor assembly. And that's from the jayco.com site. So besides the warranties, which are much stronger than say Forest River on the R-Pod, the new J-Feather Micro is slated to have, believe it or not, a huge 55 gallon fresh water tank. And most models 
uh, for most models. And Asdale, not only in the outer wall like in the R-Pods, but also in the inner wall structure, which is really good news. So there's not going to be any wood in those walls. So here are a few uh, new floor plans to look at. I'm pretty excited about a couple of these, actually. This is the 171BH. Now notice a few things on this new uh, J-Feather Micro. Obviously, it has the queen bed up front. It also has two bunk beds and a full bath, so a full dry bath. Interestingly here too, no slide out. So if you don't have a slide out, probably less potential future water leak issues and also easier to set up and tear down when you're coming to or leaving a campsite. This is a pretty interesting uh, layout, not a very big travel trailer. It has a lot of punch to it. And the other one I'm gonna look at real quick out of several of them is the 199 MBS. This is a little bigger, but this does have a slide out with a U dinette larger double bunks in the back and a full uh, dry bath back there, which is pretty large, as well as the front has a Queen Murphy bed. Uh, some, a Murphy bed, if you don't know, you can fold it up and it has a couch during the day. This reminds me a lot of my Keystone Bolt 243BHS, the layout, but a, lot, a little bit smaller. So again, a couple interesting items. These are just in prototype right now and not yet being built, but they're coming to us shortly. You know, I think Jayco is re-entering the small uh, travel trailer game at the right time, by the way. The floor plans look fairly robust in terms of versatility. With R-Pod moving slowly to larger floor plans, there appears to be an opening for a large player like Jayco to move into the market. Jayco's warranty is obviously something to be considered in the calculus, as well as having dual layering of Asdale in the walls and larger freshwater tank sizes. There's a video tour of the prototype online done by Halid RV, and we'll put a link in the description if you're interested in following up on that. Now, the real challenge is how quickly Jayco can ramp up production that isn't of poor quality that may actually inoculate new RV buyers. They may have opportunity to establish the Jayco line with new RV buyers if the launch is done well. Personally, I'd be open to a couple of these models, especially having gone through warranty problems I've had encountered with my R-Pods. The additional warranty is enticing, as well as having Asdale on both sides of the walls. Of course, the missing piece on both the R-Pods and the Jayco are the continued use of the Luon-based floor materials. Jayco is a Thor RV company, as is Keystone, who is already employing the new Hyperdeck flooring. It would be a feat of great note if Jayco added Hyperdeck as well as Asdale's in the wall. So since our last live show in July, we've done a couple multi-day trips with the Keystone Bullet to check out warranty work done just before the first year warranty period expired. And I speak to this extensively in a recent video that we talked about the uh, issues I had in the first year of the Keystone Bullet. Pretty interesting to know if you're interested in a larger travel trailer. So I won't go into detail except to say I was pleasantly surprised with how everything was fixed and it was an enjoyable experience to take the trailer out. Okay, so let's just take a moment here and look and see if we have any chat questions. All right, doesn't look like we have any chat questions. Again, if you have any questions, just feel free to put them in the chat uh, as we go along. And if not, uh, we're gonna go ahead and go to Newbie Corner. So we have quite a bit of interesting material in Newbie Corner. If you're new to RVing, the segment's all about covering a topic focused on helping those just getting started with RVing. Today, we'll be discussing RV warranty issues and expectations. And again, we do have a video about warranty basics on the channel if you're interested. First, it's important to understand that RV dealers do not operate like car dealerships. You can go to any Toyota dealer, for example, with a warranty claim on your Toyota vehicle, but it doesn't work this way with RVs. RV dealers are independent, and a non-selling dealer is not necessarily required to prioritize or even process your warranty claim. When I was having warranty issues with my RPOD 179, 
I really didn't want to travel the 150 miles back to my selling dealer near Toledo, Ohio to have it looked at. And this is what Forest River said I needed to do. I called a local RPOD dealer and they would not work on my warranty claim without me paying up front and then me wrestling with the factory for reimbursement. So just be aware of that. So let's understand some aspects of the warranty. First of all, there's such a thing as an overall warranty. This is very similar to a bumper-to-bumper -bumper coverage on a vehicle. Here's what Keystone's warranty says, and I quote, The Keystone Limited Base Warranty covers your RV for a period of one year from the date of purchase by the original owner. It's transferable during the warranty period. The limited warranty covers defects in materials and workmanship supplied by and attributed to Keystone's manufacturing and assembly of the RV. And let's look at Forest Rivers, which is quite a bit different. If you notice one of the things from that last definition, it's actually transferable if it's a Keystone in the first year. Forest River says, I quote, warrants to the original consumer purchaser only when purchased from an authorized um, Forest River Inc. dealer for a period of one year from the date of purchase, the warranty period, that the body structure of the recreational vehicle may be free from substantial defects in material and workmanship attributed to the warrant term. So just stop for a second and think about that. There's a difference there. Forest River saying that the one-year warranty is attributable only to the original purchaser. So if you were to sell your R-Pod, for example, eight months after using it, you really can't tell the next owner that they have the, the remainder of the warranty available to them. And the Keystone warranty says you actually can. So there are differences. You need to be aware that manufacturers have differences, and they may actually have differences between models, so you need to be aware of that. The second type of warranty is a structural warranty. And it usually covers things like the chassis and frame, floors, walls, and roof. Here again is the Keystone structural warranty. Uh, the limited structural warranty covers your RV for a period of three years from the date of purchase by the original owner, transferable during the warranty period, and covers structural, structural things. So it's very important to understand that. Again, Keystone comes out with a structural warranty that's three years and that it is transferable. Forest River does not have that on their R-Pods especially. There's just a one-year full warranty. Now, structural warranties can include things like the frame, skeletal frame, the sidewalls, the roof, and the floor, and things like that. Okay, the third type of warranty is a roof warranty. Now, you need to understand this because it may be different and could be longer than the normal warranty. And usually, roofs have a longer warranty period. This is mainly for the non-fiberglass TPO-type roofs. So some of the larger R-Pods have such a roof. If you look at, like, say, on 192 or 3, 195, 196, 202, they probably have the TPO roofs. They're not fiberglass roofs, and they usually have an extended warranty period. So you kind of need to be aware of that because even if your structural warranty or your one-year warranty is over, your roof may be a, have a longer warranty on it and be aware of that. The fourth type of warranty is a component-specific warranty. For example, like your converter or refrigerator or AC unit. And they'll usually have different warranty periods. For example, you know, my converter failed on my RPOD 179 after 18 months. And I used the two-year warranty from the manufacturer, WFCO, to get a free replacement. Forest River sent me directly to WFCO since it was an extended warranty claim, and it happened after the one-year factory warranty had expired. Okay, so let's look at how warranty claim our uh, claim methods exactly. How do you actually go about getting a warranty claim done? The first and obvious one is through the dealer. Now, I have a few examples here. I got my blinds replaced on my RPOD 179 uh, when my RPOD was taken down and looked at at the dealer in, in Toledo, the 150 miles away. They went ahead and replaced the blinds, and that was through the dealer. 
Recently, I had my thermostat replaced on my Keystone Bolt again through the dealer when I brought my Keystone Bolt down to the dealer here close by. And that's the main place that the factory will want you to start is through your dealer. I've also had things changed at the factory. If you followed any of my past uh, videos, you'll notice that I've actually had a fiberglass issue. I had fiberglass cracking early on in the life of my RPOD 179. It was within the first year. And I took it to, since the dealer couldn't do anything like that, the factory actually had me take it down to Indiana. And they replaced and repaired the fiberglass, actually repaired the fiberglass. And at the same time, I had a toilet issue that they just replaced the toilet. So that actually happened at the factory. You can actually also have uh, warranty things fixed from the factory. And what I mean by that is where the factory will actually send you something. So we had an issue in my 179 where the shower surround had separated from the walls. My theory behind that is my unit was made in the cold of winter in February, and then the heat of summer it expanded and it popped out of the wall, the shower surround. So I mentioned it to the factory, and they sent me actually shower surround tape, double-sided tape and some rivets with the decision that I was going to fix it myself, and I did that without having to take it in. And then the fourth way is actually from the manufacturer. I just a few moments ago mentioned the converter issue on my 179. I interacted with WFCO and mentioned that my converter had gone bad. They had me send the old one in. They confirmed that it was bad and sent me a new one back. So you can at times interact with the manufacturer. On my bullet, I also had to interact directly with Dometic and had a replacement toilet this last winter when I was on a long trip in Florida. Uh, talked to Dometic on the phone and they shipped me out a new toilet that was pretty easy to replace, but nonetheless, I was interacting directly with the manufacturer and not the factory or the dealer. Okay, so next, how do we level set expectations when working with the dealer? I've had three different units, and quite honestly, they've been very different in terms of how they've worked out. My RPOD 171 I owned from April of 2016 till April 2017. My dealer's about 30 or so miles away from my house. And for me to get warranty work, I had a really, I had an issue with the back uh, trail light, uh, the marker light that was not working. It was a drawn out process, multi-week process. I had to take the unit down there. They had to evaluate it. Then they had to order the items, get approval from the factory, order the items, then wait for them to be installed. It took about three weeks, which for one little light was pretty frustrating in the middle of August of 2016. So I lost quite a few weeks camping. You know, the second situation, my RPOD 179, as I mentioned a little bit ago, my dealer is down in Toledo, 150 miles away. They, however, got my claim pre-approved, pre-ordered the parts, and scheduled the work, and we actually had same-day service. We scheduled a time. They had their techs ready that day. I drove the RPOD down. We literally waited and did some work from a parking lot. For a couple hours, they fixed everything, and I was able to pick up my 179. So it wasn't the same hassle at all. And kudos uh, to that dealership that helped me out greatly in that and didn't make it difficult. And then recently, as some of you know from watching recent videos, I had my Keystone Bullet worked on. And the Keystone Bullet dealer here is just 10 miles away, so it made it so much easier. It was a very reasonable time frame for us to take it in, then to look at it, order stuff and uh, just fix it pretty quickly here, just given the distance. So that's one of the things I want to talk about. And here's a quick tip. If you have any kind of warranty issue, just report it early to get your issues recorded, even if the work is scheduled later. You know, this is pretty important. I've done this a few times. So even if it's cosmetic, and especially if it's smaller cosmetic issues, like a piece of trim fell down or you have a dent in something that came that way from the factory, let your dealer know. Just send an email with some of the punch list items so you get it recorded. 
I would, I would say get it recorded early, even if you can't get back in there or can't schedule right away. Now, I made a mistake with my RPOD 171. My stovetop stove had a dent in it from the factory when I bought it. I don't remember if I noticed it right away, but after a little while I noticed and I just, you know, balked at actually saying anything and waited too long. And when I mentioned it finally, after a few months, it was kind of too late and they said, you know, we're not going to re replace it or anything or fix it. So it was kind of my fault and a lesson learned there. So managing expectations is really important. You know, communications is probably primary. The old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, is really nowhere more appropriate, in my experience, than dealing with RVs. I've yet to find any dealer who is great at communications. You'll often need to be polite, but persistent to get your work prioritized. As Mike talked about above, he had to be a little persistent, telling him that, hey, wait a second, I bought local just so I could get prioritized. So you may need to be polite, but persistent to get your work prioritized. And your dealership relationship's important. There's an interesting saying I like, it's often as important to find a good dealer as a good trailer, and I pretty much agree with this. Buying locally is what the manufacturers recommend. However, this is only a good idea if it is. I've had good and not so good experiences buying locally. I'll just let you know right off the bat. So there's no great solution here. You can likely save real money by buying far away but it might bite you on the warranty difficulties afterward. On the other hand, buying locally at a higher cost is no guarantee of good ongoing service. I guess my take is buy locally if at all possible and expect some warranty work in the first year. If your local dealer balks at prioritizing you for service, just complain like Mike did, reminding them that you bought locally from them for a reason. You know, also research feedback on local dealers and also be aware of what it means if you do buy at a distance. I'm not against buying cheaper far away, by the way. I'm just very cautious as to what it means, if anything, as far as follow-up afterward. So let's take a quick break here and look and see if we have any questions or anything. And I think what we're going to do, we're just going to hit the spotlight. It's going to be a short section here in the spotlight, and we'll hop right to Q&A. So the spotlight segment of the show is all about highlighting a specific resource so we can become more informed. Before we look at our spotlight items, just a reminder that up next is our open Q&A. So feel free to queue up any questions now. Uh, and we'll get to them in just a moment. Our spotlight today is on the Amazon Basics Expanding Organizer file folder. It's a pretty simple folder that is ideal to put your RV manuals organized in one place. And we have it on the Amazon storefront. And if you don't already have your manuals easy to access and organize, you may want to consider this item. You know, prices may vary, but recently it was less than $7 on Amazon. It's well worth it. So let's take a quick look. I look at I have one right here that I use. I'm just going to hold it up to the camera. So here's the file folder. It's just a really a basic accordion style folder, as you can see. Let me just open it up for you. So you can see I have tabs here for each one of my uh, each one of my sections here. So I have my uh, my manuals sorted. Make it makes it real easy to find them and look at things if I need to. So again, usually under seven dollars on on Amazon, you pick it up at the storefront. Nice little thing to organize your uh, your file folders. And you know, with that, that's actually going to finish up our the the uh, show part. We're going to get to the Q&A here. So it's okay. It's time for Q&A now. And if you want to ask, you can ask any question RV related. We'll do our best to try to try to answer them. And let's have a look here. Uh, let's see what, pull, pull a couple up here. Um, let's see. Okay, Jeff. Morning, Jeff. Question. Speaking of blinds, my covers keep falling off. Any suggestions on securing them? Anchoring suggestions. So I think you're, you may be talking about like the valances. Uh, Jeff, I'm, I just want to make I'm sure I'm sure about what the question is, and the valances do have kind of hidden screws that go into the wall, and it's a little difficult uh, to to kind of find those and make sure they're secured. 
if you're talking about the actual blinds um, and they keep falling off, you may have you may have an issue of where they're like screwed onto. So let me let me think about that for a second. If they're coming loose, uh, I'm thinking you probably just need to resecure them in a different location. And I've actually I've not dealt with blinds because I've you know I'm a little concerned about putting holes in the wrong place. But I think you can use some anchors to uh, to do that that go in, into the wall first and then screw them. And just be careful about the length of those because the walls are not that thick. And I would always you can always call your dealer too, and I would do that if you're if you still have a question. Okay, hopefully that helped. Another question, Jared, John, can you tell us why you own two travel trailers? Okay, I have an RPOD and thinking of keeping it but getting a bigger second camper like you? Okay, that's a great question. So here's the situation. Um, I've worked remotely quite a bit, and especially in the winter, because as you may know, I, I live up in Michigan, and I've started to avoid some of the more harsh parts of the winter uh, and work remotely because I have the opportunity to do that. So the last few years, I've actually worked remotely in Florida, gotten used to going down there. You have to plan way ahead to do that, but I've done that. The first two years I did that, I took my RPOD 179. And it worked well, but it's fairly cramped after a while. Now, I don't have any problem with the RPOD 179. I love the, the trailer. I use it quite a bit. But after a while, if you're in there for a couple months in a row, it can get kind of small. So what I decided to do in 2019 is to buy a larger travel trailer, mainly to work remotely from. And that's what we did. And then this last winter, we took the Keystone Bullet. Now, remember, the, the RPOD is about 20 feet long. And the Keystone Bullet is just under 29 feet long. It has a lot more space when the slides out. It's quite large. It's more like having an apartment on wheels and a camper. So that's the main reason is for working purposes and for longer trips. Now, I, you know, during the summer, like right now, I'm using the R-Pod quite a bit. But when winter comes again, I'll probably take the Keystone down, to, you know, down somewhere, maybe Florida, maybe somewhere uh, this next year. So hopefully that helps. Uh, but that's the main reason. Okay, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Question, Jeff, again. Uh, front outer power switch does it need to be on to charge is it a totally total kill switch now jeff i think what you're talking about is in the later um rpod models there's a little red uh battery disconnect that's on the frame there if that's what you're talking about that's that's going to kill the battery totally and and it is a, a kill switch so it'll keep your battery from being drained um, I don't have one in my RPOD 179 because it's 2017. They didn't have a kill switch on there, a battery disconnect on there. So for me to do anything with that, what I do is actually have to disconnect the, the lines from the battery for it not to drain. And I do that when it's in storage, by the way. I don't store my RPOD at my house. So when I, when I take it to storage, I actually disconnect the battery and take the battery with me. I don't leave it with the RPOD, so it's totally you know, energy dead when it's sitting there and not doing anything. But it is a total kill switch if you're talking about that little red switch that's on the frame there on the newer R-Pods. And the other part, you know, does it need to be on to charge? Well, not necessarily. You can hook up your battery charger right to the battery terminal post. Uh, but if you're plugged in the shore power, yeah, it will be, right? So you're going to need to uh, turn that on. If you're thinking of charging it through the um, converter to charge a battery when you're in shore power, yeah, you're going to have to leave that on. Otherwise, you can charge it like any battery. Hopefully that makes sense. Jeff? Okay, let's see. Frozen Tundra. John, how backed up are the manufacturers making new units now? Not many new models at my local deal. They're very backed up. If you remember in April and May, they basically had to stop production. They started back in late May, I think the third week in May. And then everyone started buying RVs. June was a record month for uh, dealers, if you've been following any of the news. And July, I think pretty high too. All you got to do is 
call one of the main uh, main dealers in the country, you know, like Couches or some of these guys and say, and look at their website. You don't have to call them and look at their website and, and look at their RPOD selection. And most of them are either on order or already, you know, already uh, uh, spoken for. So I was looking, I was curious and talked to one of the guys through email and saying, you know, how long would it actually take? And he's saying at least 10 weeks to get one. So anything you purchase or order now is going to be a long wait. At that point, you know, you're into the fall season and probably winterizing. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I think you're going to be delayed if you're looking at a new one. Used ones are few and far between. And right now, honestly, you're going to probably pay top dollar for a used one too. It's just a tough market. It's really a seller's market. And that's mainly because you have thousands of people coming in, uh, seeing the coming into the RV market for the first time. If you just look at some of the forums right now, there's so many newbies just picked up my RV, just picked up my travel trailer on my maiden voyage. And so that's, that's what's going on right now. It's an interesting time, but it is a big uh, draw and demand on supply. So I think there's not many at most dealers right now. So that's really just the reality right now. Okay, let's see. Other questions here. Al, good morning, Al. Have you heard of anyone having trouble with the stripes on covering the seam of the exterior? Our, uh, 2019-191 both split and flapped in the wind till I duct tape. So stripes on the covering. Um, so let me think about that for a second, Al. Uh, and you may be talking about the plastic stripping. Is that what we're talking about? Probably the plastic stripping that's covering the seams of the exterior. I think what you're talking about. It's like an interior plastic stripping that goes in the uh, two, kind of the, the gap there. Yeah, I, I have actually seen a few people have issues with it. The nice thing about this is that you can, you can get a roll of this for not very expensive online and just tuck it in there to replace it. It's not that difficult to do if you want to do that. But generally, uh, that has happened. They can come loose. Uh, they cover the screws, which is important, by the way, because water's going to get in that track if you don't have that, and the screws can start to corrode. So you do want to make sure that's tucked away. But I know you can have gaps too. They're not totally you know, set properly from the factory at times, or they may move a little bit at times or contract. And you can have gaps where things can come in, so it can catch that. So they can fray over time. You just need to be aware of that. But it isn't a difficult fix, and you can find the material online uh, to a, a big roll of it that you can replace that if you need to. And if, if you're in doubt, you know, call, call a dealer, and I'm sure they can take care of that for you pretty easily. Okay, let's keep going here. More questions. Let's see here. Uh, okay, Jeannie, we're, we're new owners of a 192. Congratulations on your new 192. Plan to install a 30 amp outlet, I'm, I'm assuming at your home. But for now, we plug into 110 and keep the fridge on. We run the AC this way, but someone on the Facebook said that's not advisable. Well, I think, you know, the issue here is can the AC run... Uh, on 110, it really depends if you're, you know, 15 amp, 20 amp outlet. Sometimes the AC will run, but if you try to put too much stuff on, it'll hit the breaker and it'll stop. Now, what you don't want to do is overload that 110 circuit, obviously, so you got to be a little careful. I have the same issue. I don't have a 30 uh, amp outlet at my house, but when I'm prepping to go on a trip, basically I plug in with a dog bone my 30 amp connector to the 110, and I get my refrigerator going and other things. I don't really try to run the AC too much. Not that you can't do it, especially in the hot water, water it'll help a lot. But uh, you just got to be a little careful um, that you don't overtax that. So I just exercise caution there um, if you're operating the, the fridge. The fridge doesn't take a lot of draw, by the way. Uh, what you probably don't want to do is like run the microwave or turn on the hot water heater while you have the AC going. The fridge just doesn't take a lot of, a lot of draw to keep it cold. Remember, it's an absorption type refrigerator. It doesn't have a compressor in it 
on a lot of these. Although the 192 may have a larger one, but I think it's still absorption. Hopefully that helps a little bit. Okay, let's see here. Mike, please tell me uh, they took the Dometic 300 away. No, they did not. <laughs> uh, Mike's referring to the Dometic 300 toilet that is in the Keystone Bullet 243BHS and some of the other Keystone models. Uh, lately, there's been even issues. I've heard very recently someone... I've, I called up when I had a problem with my... This winter I had a problem with my 300 and actually called up Dometic and they shipped one out. Someone just recently on a message said that they tried to do that and Dometic said, you can't do that anymore. We're not shipping anything. You got to go through your dealer and go through the harassment of trying to get one. Uh, the Dometic 300 toilets are notorious for getting waste caught in between the outer and inner bowl plastic and then you can't get that out and it causes a huge stink problem which is some of them apparently newer ones being built aren't as bad, but there's a backlog of things. And so you don't know what toilet you're getting. I actually have an extra, believe it or not. So I actually went out, if you looked at the video on, on the channel, I went out and bought a toilet at Camping World when I was down in Florida because I didn't want to wait for a long time to fix this because it was a nightmare. And I replaced it myself, a very easy replacement. And then I got a new one from Dometic. It was shipped in and I just put it in my bed, under my bed. <laughs> in the uh, Keystone Bullet as a spare, just so I have another one because I don't want to get caught in the lurch again, which is just bad. Now, some people have done other things. They've gotten the 310 ceramic and cut it back because it won't fit in the 243. But yeah, as far as I know, they're still using the 300, which is just, you got to blame Keystone a little bit, right? Because they're allowing this to happen. It's not just the medic. They shouldn't use a toilet that's known bad, in my opinion. Okay, thanks, Mike. Another one for Mike. Uh, I'm going postal over these plastic toilets, months of torture. Yeah, Mike, you may want to look at, there's a Keystone Bullet uh, Facebook group I'm a part of, and some of the guys on there have talked about how they get the 310, which won't fit, but they actually, you know, do a jerry-rig and figure out how to fit it in. Uh, that's kind of the solution there if you really want to get rid of the plastic. But unfortunately, there's not much space there to put a new, a new bigger toilet in. It's unfortunate. Okay, uh, let's see here, another one. Geo. I plan on purchasing an RV. What are my choices for storage? Well, golly, that's like a that's like a huge question, right? I think what you got to do, Geo, is you've got to do a lot of research. If you're looking for a small travel trailer, you can look at the R-Pods. Some of them have a lot of storage. Um, I know, I, and, and maybe I'm mis, misreading you, Geo. Maybe you're talking about storage as far as like store it at home or store it at a storage location. If you're talking about a storage location, you have a couple choices. Uh, if you can store it at home, you probably want to. Now, if you have a neighborhood where you have an HOA and things, you got to look into all that because some people can be kind of picky about that. Uh, I store mine at a professional storage unit area where it is paved and there's other things around there. It's got monitoring and cameras and stuff. It's not too far from my house, a few miles. And that's where I do that. Of course, that costs more money than storing at home if you can. Uh, those are a couple of the options. Uh, you know, some people work out deals with friends and stuff, but I mean, you're getting into things where you want to be very careful about storage. It's got to be safe. You want to make sure you don't have high grass. The grass, you don't want it parked in grass, in my opinion. If people aren't taking care of the grass, you can get rodent problems. So storage issues are a big deal. I think I actually put something together on the, on the channel a while back about storage, but I could probably do something again at some point. But generally, you want to be comfortable with where your, your RV is stored that it's a safe place, monitored, it's got gated, right? It's safe, they've got, you know, video cameras and stuff if you're doing it away from home. One thing I will say, if you do store at home, don't, you gotta be a little careful because it can become wallpaper and you don't go out and look at it, you don't check on it because it's right next to your house and you gotta keep up on that and make sure you don't have any intrusions. 
you also have to keep the grass mowed and you know things around it so and even some things that will deter rodents from coming in because that can happen at your house just as easily as a storage unit so be aware of that okay good question geo uh let's see we got some more here uh uh, Mike, let's see, Sandy. Hello from Michigan. Hey, Sandy, fellow Michigander. We paid $75 for the updated ceramic and soft closed lid replacement. Yeah, good point. That's going to be the Dometic 310, and they will allow, will allow you to upgrade to this, from the 300 plastic to the 310 for the 75 bucks. That's true. So, Mike, if you're interested in that, you're going to have to contact Dometic or your dealer to get that. The main thing you got to be careful of is it needs more clearance. So if you're going with the 310 ceramic, you better make sure you have clearance in there. You're going to have to do some major hacking at that bowl, and, and that's a, a tough call to do that. But you're going to have to have clearance. So you got to do some measurement and understand that and do the research. I couldn't do that in my 243BHS. I could not put a 310 in, or I would have. Okay. All right, let's keep looking here. Um, other questions here? Thanks, Sandy. Uh, let's see here. And just a quick look here, folks. All right. Um... You know, I, I think if you have just, we'll give it a, another moment here. If you have a question, just feel to put question in there so I make sure I see it. There's quite a few comments and things. I just want to miss anything if, if, you, uh, if you have a question or comment. And I think if not, um, well, okay, Jeff, one more time. Thanks for the air conditioner info. Ours is six months old and we want to test it. We camp in the wilderness, no 30 amp access. Also, did not want to blow something testing my 20 amp home circuit. Yeah, that's true. Uh, now, some air conditions are different. So just be aware, some of the Dometics, for example, in the R-Pods actually demand a higher startup amperage uh, to get going. And you can, you can put something called a soft start in those. It takes a little work. It's not too difficult from what I understand. I haven't done it. Some guys on the R-Pod forum have done it and have step-by-steps to do that. If you do that, you can use a lower amp generator, for example, and, and your plug-in wall easier. Uh, my Keystone Bullet has a, a different kind of air conditioner that requires lower amperage actually to start and run. So that's interesting too. So not all air conditioners and RVs are the same. You kind of got to understand those and do some research uh, before you go down the road of say, hey, I want to get a generator for boondocking. Um, some of these, you do need a bigger generator and some of them, maybe not. And so you don't need to have a 150 pound generator with. You can have a, you know, a smaller generator and still power your AC if you're boondocking. But yeah, that's a good point. You know, don't overtax your household outlet, your 20 amp circuit, all right? Don't do too many things with it. Turn everything on, especially things like the water heater and the, micro, the convection microwave at the same time will definitely do a major draw. Okay, thanks, Jeff, again. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim, how are you doing? Question, would a Dometic 310 fit in an R-Pod wet bath? I do not know. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I don't know if the flanges are going to be the same. I think most of the R-Pods and... Uh, for the smaller pods, meaning 20 foot and under, 191 and 180, 179, there's not a whole lot of room back there. And I think they have the Thetford type toilet. I think mine has a Thetford. And that the flange may not be the same at all for just swapping out a Dometic for a Thetford. So you got to be very careful there. If you already have a Dometic toilet in there, uh, you know, you're going to have to look at if you have a 300, you should be able to put a, a 310 in there with the same flange. But it's not just an easy thing. You can just swap toilets out unless you're using the same brand and have the same flange, so it's not an easy answer, really. Ideally, yeah, if you could put a Dometic 310 in, those are pretty highly rated in ceramic. So uh, if you have room and you could figure the flanging out, I don't see why not, but you may not have room, Tim, in that wet bath. Uh, Jeff, question, have you ever seen a bubble out 
on the outer wall, RPOD 179. If you're talking about like the outer skin, like the outside wall bubbling, yeah, that happens. Delamination can happen. Sometimes it's a water issue and sometimes it may not be, but it can happen. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times that can be water intrusion. Uh, older ones before Asdale, right, in the last couple of years, they just have Luan wood under that fiberglass. So if water gets in there, the wood's going to warp. And it's, it's, it's a bad design. They're just starting to get rid of it as an industry, get it to the wood out of the walls. I personally don't like the wood in the floors either <laughs> because that's another issue. You get, you get water in there anywhere, the floors are going to absorb it. So they're, they're, the industry's slowly but certainly moving toward composite materials in the walls and the floors, and we'll get there probably in a few years. But yeah, it is delamination. You need to look at it and see if it's growing on you or if it's, you know, you have your seals taken care of. Look above there. Make sure your seals are, are properly uh, caulked. If you have any cracks anywhere near there and you can tell, hey, water may be seeping down there somehow, make sure you get that taken care of right away. But it can happen, especially with uh, the non-Asdale walls, it can happen, unfortunately. Okay, Bob, what generator do you recommend, especially boondocking? That's a kind of a trick question. I was just talking about ACs. It depends what you need, right? So if you have an AC that, that doesn't have a soft start or isn't a newer kind of air conditioner, it doesn't require a lot of amperage, you're going to need a bigger, you know, 3000 type plus probably uh, generator. And that's a big, heavy unit you got you to gotta tote around. Now, some of the ones with soft start, they don't need as much, right? So some of that, you put a soft start in the AC or you have a tech do that for you or you get some of the newer units that don't need a lot of uh, startup amperage. Basically, you can go with a smaller generator. So even a small Honda 2200, for example, or 2500 of other brands, uh, maybe it'll do the trick. The beauty of that is they're smaller. They don't weigh near as much, probably half the weight. You can put one under the tano cover of a truck, tote it with you, etc. cetera. Uh, just, you need to do the research. You know, there's several places out there, and I would just start YouTubing it, honestly, Bob, as far as looking at generators. There's a ton of YouTube videos on generators. I know uh, there's the Low Loho, Loho channel that I followed for years. Sean Michaels has a bunch of stuff on, on generators if you want to look there. So you should do your research. Uh, but that's a hot topic right now in terms of air conditioners. Okay, so let's um, let's keep looking. I think we're, we're wrapping up here. I, any other questions? I don't think we have any other questions. And so uh, if not, give it just a moment here. I will go ahead and start wrapping up here. So... You know, appreciate everybody's comments. It's really good to have interaction, really good stuff. Thank you for joining. If you hit the like button, by the way, if you just take a moment, hit the like button, it'll help it get uh, prioritized on YouTube and other people can find the helpful content. But anyway, so I think that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, thanks for joining again. And thanks for watching those of you who are watching the YouTube replay. If you haven't already subscribed, by the way, we'd love to have you on the On The Road team. Uh, you can also join us on Instagram and Twitter at John Marucci. And by the way, you can follow me on Facebook, too, if you want to look up there. And I send stuff there, too. Uh, this is John Marucci. Thanks for joining in. Stay safe. And so long for now.